Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome to our online service today. I'm sure that everyone is preparing for Snowmageddon, or as some people call it, the snow apocalypse. But anyhow, we hope that you're home and safe and uh, you can enjoy this break in the weather. But we did want to come into your home this morning and hopefully be able to share some encouragement from God's Word, keep you connected in our church to what's going on. So we're going to share a couple of announcements and then we'll have someone in the back uh, that braved this weather to come out and pray for us this morning. So anyway, welcome to Trinity Community Church. We're so glad you're here. We have a lot of things going on. We have different programs for different people, ways that you can connect and get involved. One of those is a women's Bible study. It meets every Sunday morning at 9.15 in the rooms to the, to right over to our side. It's led by Sandy Perkinson, so please uh, get involved in that if you're a lady. There's also something for our men that's led by her husband, Jim Perkinson. Same time, one room up. So uh, let me encourage you to get involved in those classes as they study God's Word and also deal with relevant topics today. There's also a ladies' book club. You can find out more about this on Faith Life if you're interested. We were hoping to start our student ministries back tonight, but obviously due to the snow, uh, they'll be postponed to next Sunday evening. So we look forward to all of our kids getting plugged in and involved. Looking forward to our youth group getting started back. So we encourage you to get involved in that. Also coming up next week is our outreach ministries here in town uh, as we offer divorce care, grief share, divorce care for kids. If you know someone struggling in one of those areas, make sure you have them go online and sign up. And uh, we provide a meal for them. We have a great group of servants who come out and make this possible that we might be able to meet their needs and give them hope as they go through challenging times in life. There's also many opportunities to volunteer at Trinity. So you can see the list here if you want to get involved. Uh, there's no reason why you can't do that. So uh, please get with one of our leaders and just tell them that you would like to be involved. Brittany Gibbs takes care of that, and she'd be glad to plug you in. Also, uh, American Heritage Girls and Trail Life is starting up the first and third Mondays at 630 you can contact some of our leaders for that. The information's on Faith Life, and they would be glad to fill you in. Also, let me encourage all of our men uh, to invite someone and make sure you come out on January the 28th and 29th for our Courageous Living Men's Conference. Uh, Ray Meese will be leading this. Ray is a wonderful man God brought here to our church, and we know that you'll enjoy this conference as you're challenged to be a better man, uh, husband, father, employee, friend, uh, whatever it might be, we know this will be challenging and encouraging to your heart and your life. There's also a ladies' scripture writing. You can find out more information on Faith Life. Uh, our 101 class, which is required for anyone who wants membership, we did have several people signed up, and we're sorry that we couldn't offer that today. We're going to offer it next Sunday, right after the service. Uh, so please sign up on Faith Life again, and we'll provide lunch for you. You can get the Faith Life app on your phone. If you just take your phone right now, turn your camera on, and scan that QR code, it'll take you directly to the Faith Life program. 
You can find Trinity Community Church. Sign up and you'll get all of our information. You can watch services online. You can use Bible study tools. There's all kinds of available options there for you. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And you can find us online as well. If you want to give to our ministry to help either missions or our outreach here locally, you can do that by texting the following link. And all you have to do is text GIVE. It takes care of all the rest. And uh, we're thankful for your partnership in our ministries. This is our website where you can watch our services or stream. And we always encourage people to get involved in our connect groups. If you're interested in that, please see one of us and we'll connect you with someone who can help meet your needs uh, in a small group. This morning we want to pray for several needs in our congregation. Obviously we can't mention everyone, but there are a few that we want to talk about. Uh, Rosetta White had the passing of a family member this week, and I know that was hard on Rosetta. So if you will, keep her in your prayers. We also want to pray for Jim and Pat Huff. Pat is still struggling on as she battles Alzheimer's, and Jim is uh, just being faithful as he can be, taking care of her. So hold them up in your prayer. Also, Sharon Farrell. Sharon had a little bit better of a week this week as she's battling cancer but we do want to remember to pray for her. So please pray for her family as uh, she battles through this terrible, terrible disease. And we haven't forgot Jim and Dolores Edmondson. Uh, Dolores still struggling. Jim struggling as well. But we want them to know that our prayers are with them. And we know that there are many other people with needs on their hearts, things that they are facing in their life. And so we encourage you to pray for them. And if you are one of those people, uh, like all of us probably are, then just remember you have other people praying for you. So I'm going to ask Sean, if he would, to uh, word our prayer for us, and then we'll get into our message. Let's pray. Father God, we're just so grateful uh, for the the opportunities you provide, uh, just the technology that, that you've created created through man, but you gave them the knowledge uh, how to do it, that allows us to meet uh, virtually, even when we can't meet together, that just allows us to stay connected, Lord, and just just the, the opportunities that you have provided just to grow your church and and for us to spread the good news of you is is just remarkable, uh, and, and we're more and more amazed at, at what you provide and what your capabilities every day, Lord. And, you know, as, as we, we think about all these struggles that, that, that Pastor John has talked about with, with Rosetta White and the death in the family, Lord, and that's how hard it is to deal with that, uh, just the hope that you provide, uh, and it is hope for the future. Lord, for Jim and Dolores Edmondson and, and the health concerns that they go, they're going through, they, they have been such just warriors for our church and great workers for our church and continue to, even with the video just last week, even in their, their current health conditions, they're still reaching out and working for the church. Uh, just been such, such great Christian workers for your kingdom, Lord. And, and we just pray for them. And, and Lord, we pray for, for Jim and Pat Huff as, as Pat is dealing with this, the, the debilitating disease of Alzheimer's and, and how hard it is on, on the whole family, uh, just the, the mental strain and everything that, that that brings along with it. And, and Sharon Farrell's cancer, Lord, just, just be with that family. Uh, 
as she goes through that tro- that struggle. Lord, and just provide all of them, even everyone that we haven't spoken about, just the hope that is in you, that the struggles are hard now, but glory is coming, and, and it's, it's all of these struggles will be forgotten one day when we're in your presence, Lord. And we just, we just hold on to that hope as we're going through these hard times and knowing that there are brighter days ahead. Mm-hmm. And, and we're just so thankful for, for that that you have provided. Now, Lord, we pray that everyone's be safe uh, in the, with this weather and, and uh, stay home and, and uh, stay with their families, Lord, and, and uh, so we can meet back next Sunday. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Sean, for wording our prayer for us. <clears throat> I'm not going to spend long this morning. I always say that, don't I? Normally it goes longer than I plan, but I do want to challenge you today. I know we're in a series on Hebrews. We'll wait till you come back next week, and we're going to talk about faith. And by the way, we're all living by faith right now. Do you know that? Uh, I'm here, and I know that. You're there, and I know that. But it takes a lot of faith to know that you're there listening. So hopefully you are, and uh, I even brought a cup of coffee this morning to to join with you in our message together, so I might have me a drink here in a minute. But nevertheless, I want to share a message that came out of my devotions. I've been reading through the book of Joshua for my devotions in the mornings, and I came across this passage this week, and it really just came out and struck my heart, because it's something that all of us face and that is the danger of unguarded success. You know, it doesn't take long to think about people and famous businesses and especially sports teams who get on a high, if you will, uh, and they are progressing along so well and everything seems to be going so great and they're almost assured of victory and all of a sudden something happens and comes upon their life and they fall. And this is exactly what happens in the story in Joshua chapter 7 as we think about a man whose name is Achan. Uh, So I want to just give you a little principle here, a teaching principle, and then share some lessons that we learn from the life of this man. That Here's the principle. Sometimes our most vulnerable moment is in the height of success. Sometimes our most vulnerable moment is in the height of success of our greatest success. And as I mentioned before, sports teams, people, even ministries. You know, I know many people who have started off, even in God's work in church ministry, and they, it seems like they reach the summit of their ministry, and somehow we forget that in the height of our success, it's oftentimes the greatest point for our failure. Now, if you know the story... Uh, of this passage and the setting. Moses, of course, has taken the children of Israel. He's led them through the wilderness wanderings because all of the mighty Marines uh, who were afraid to go into the land were judged and they had to stay in the wilderness until they died. They wandered 40 years in the desert until all the fighting men died and then the nation was getting ready to cross over into the land that God was going to take them. When Moses passed, Joshua was appointed to be the next leader to take Moses' place. And the first place that he would go 
would be right into the place known as Jericho. It was one of the major cities that was right across the Jordan River. And the military strategy here of God was to take them right into the middle of the land and enter in right at the midway point. They would cross the Jordan, they would conquer Jericho, and then they would begin strategically defeating different portions of the land until Israel went in and conquered the land. The encouraging thing was God told the nation of Israel, just as he did in Egypt, he would go ahead and fight for them. They didn't need to fear any man or any army because God was on their side. You know, isn't it wonderful to know in the Christian life that God fights for us? But let me share a warning that when we sin and when we disobey God, and especially when we hide our sin, instead of God fighting for us, many times he begins to fight against us. And this is exactly what happened in the story of Achan. So lesson number one as we think about the story of Israel being defeated at Ai by the disobedience of one man, the first point that we see is this, the first lesson, that we are extremely vulnerable to temptation during the height of our success. We are extremely vulnerable to temptation during the height of our success. Read God's word with me. But the people of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things. God had told this nation, when you go into the land, don't take anything. You are to destroy all, and there are certain things I want you to take, and they are to be given to me. So when they broke the faith for the devoted things, Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, and here's an important point, he was of the tribe of Judah, Remember who Judah was? Judah was the tribe that God would take and the king, the ruler, would come out of. He was one of the the promised tribe. His name was Achan. He took something, some of the devoted things, and the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth-Avon, east of Bethel, and said to them, Go up and spy out the land. And the men went up and spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not have all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and attack Ai. Do not make the whole people toil up there, for they are a few. So about three thousand men went up from the, from the people, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai killed about thirty-six of their men and chased them before the gate as far as Shebarim and struck them at the descent. Notice what happened. And the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Joshua was living off a past experience, obviously. He knew God had fought. But in this situation, God did not fight for them. He fought against them. So Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening. He and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. I put a little map to show you where Ai is. And you notice that Israel had already defeated Jericho. You can see it in the image there. And now their journey was to go over to Ai and defeat them. Well, after the walls of Jericho had fallen, surely, Joshua thought, Ai would be nothing compared to to Jericho. However, while they were there, a man named Achan stole some things that were to be God's property 
and hid them along with the rest of his family. And now God's judgment is going to fall upon these people, his own people, by the way. You know, it's interesting. Peter says what? That it's high time for judgment to to happen. But don't forget this. Sometimes it happens in the house of God first. And that's exactly what happened here. So lesson number one, we're extremely vulnerable to temptation during the height of our success. But there's a second lesson we learn, and that's this. Defeat can be turned into victory if we handle it God's way. It can be. So look in verses 7 through 13. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all? to give us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. Would that we had been content to dwell beyond the Jordan. Why did you even let us go into Jericho if you're going to let us get beat? Now he's going to cry some more here. Lord, what can I say when Israel has turned their backs before their enemies? I mean, we're ashamed of ourselves, God. He didn't know what was going on. So he's pouring his heart out here to God. He says, for the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it, and will surround us and cut off our name from the earth. If these few people can whip us, then all the rest are going to hear about it on social media or whatever, and they're going to all come after us, God. Look what you've done to us. You've, you've let us down. Now, what will you do for your great name? Don't you like how he, in his prayer, puts it back on God and says, God, you brought us here. You led us here. Now you let us get beat. What are you going to do about this, God? Notice what God said. Hush, Joshua, shush. Stop your whining. The Lord said, get up. You know, why have you fallen to your face? Why haven't you said what's going on here? Why haven't you asked me? So do that. Now God answers him. Israel has sinned. They have transgressed my covenant that I commanded them. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen and lied and put them among their own belongings. As some people say, there's sin in the camp. Joshua didn't know about it, but let me tell you something, folks. God did. And you know, we all can be masters of hiding sin in our life. I mean, we can do things, we can hide things, we can fool people, or a lot of things we can do. But there's one person that you can never fool, and that's God. And if we want God's blessing on our life, what do we have to do? We have to confess that we have to confront that we have to be honest about it and we have to be transparent and tell the truth but Achan and his family didn't and this resulted in defeat of the nation of Israel and anger by God so verse 12 therefore the people of Israel cannot stand before their enemies isn't this interesting this is God talking they have sinned they've hidden things and therefore the people of israel cannot stand before their enemies they turn their backs before their enemies because they have become devoted for destruction there's a play on words here by the way in the hebrew text god says you know he had sent the people of israel in and they were to devote jericho to destruction and now his own people had sinned and now the table has turned just like the book of deuteronomy god said If you don't obey me, I will fight against you. And that's what's happening here. I will be with you no more unless you destroy the devoted things from among you. So now Joshua has this incredible uh, 
issue before him. What's he going to do about this sin? Is he going to hide it and go along with it and lose God's blessing and God's presence? Or is he going to confront this man from the tribe of Judah and deal with it? So God tells him, get up, consecrate the people and say, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, there are devoted things in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the devoted things from among you. Notice how God deals with sin quickly and right to the point, doesn't he? Good lesson to learn in our own life. Well, there's a third lesson that we learn, and that is this. You know, sometimes people say, well, it's my life, I'll do what I want, it doesn't matter to you, and it's, this is me. But here's a lesson we learn, especially as church people, that the disobedience of one person does impact others. Uh, the disobedience of one does impact others. Let me get practical here. Those of us who have families, you know, if one of our children falls into sin, don't think it doesn't impact the mother and the father. I mean, it hammers us. Uh, if one of the parents goes into sin, don't think it doesn't impact your children because it does. So we have to be transparent there and we have to be honest that sometimes our disobedience, it's not just our choice. It also defiles and impacts other people. So this is an important lesson that we learn. Listen to what God says. In the morning, therefore, you shall be brought near by your tribes, and the tribe that the Lord takes by lot shall come near by clans. And the clan that the Lord takes shall come near by households, and the household that the Lord takes shall come near man by man. In other words, God is going to narrow them down and he's going to point out exactly who the culprit is. And he who has taken with the devoted things shall be burned with fire. He and all that ha he has because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord and because he has done an outrageous thing in Israel. So Joshua rose early in the morning and brought Israel near tribe by tribe, and the tribe of Judah was taken. And he brought near the clans of Judah, and the clan of the Zerites was taken, and he brought near the clan of the Zerites man by man, and Zabdi was taken. And he brought near his household man by man, and Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was taken. Can't you see him standing there before all the people? I mean, God makes this thousands and thousands of people have to disrupt their day all the way down to point out this one man for his sin. And so God narrows him down. Joshua knows exactly who it is. And now we learn principle number four, lesson number four, and that's this. I mean, how powerful is this, folks? Sin cannot be hidden forever. You know, the Apostle Paul in Second Timothy talks about the sins of some people go on for a long time and they're unnoticed, but eventually they catch up with them. The book of Proverbs talks about a, a person can hide their sin. He who hides his sin will not prosper, and eventually uh, he will have to face the piper. Sin can't be hidden forever, and in this particular instance, it's not. So in verse 19... Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and give praise to him. By the way, here's another play on words. Give praise. That is the word Judah. Uh, 
So he's saying here, you're from the tribe of Judah. I mean, you had a good mom and dad. You had good grandparents. You came from a good tribe. You have good stock in you. So tell us about your life here. (laughs) I mean, you had all the opportunities for success, but there's something in your heart that's caused you to choose greed and disobedience. What? Give praise to God. Tell the truth. And tell me now, what have you done? And don't hide it from me. So now, as we learn in lesson number four, eventually the truth comes out. You can't hide sin forever. Achan answered Joshua, Truly I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I did. When I saw among the spoil a beautiful cloak from Shinar, and two hundred shekels of silver, and a bar of gold weighing fifty shekels, then I coveted them, and I took them, And see, they are hidden in the earth inside my tent with the silver underneath. He went into the battle. He saw this skirt, this robe, if you want to call it that. And he saw this gold and this money. And he thought somehow that these things which God said were his and his alone, they were to be destroyed. He didn't want anything to do with them. He looked at those things and he thought, I'll do whatever I can I'll embezzle them, I'll steal them, and it'll make my life better. Isn't it amazing, folks, how easy it is for us to deceive ourselves into thinking that somehow some material possession or something that we covet we think is going to bring us success and happiness in life, and ultimately it brings us nothing but failure. I remember a story of a man who went into a store And he stole a bunch of merchandise from the store. He had a connection. He had a friend who worked in the store. And the friend let him go gather this merchandise and go up and pretend like he had paid for it. And he took all this merchandise and he stole it and he took it home. And he thought it was going to bring him ultimate joy. Later on in his life, uh, he came to Christ. He got saved. And he wanted to walk with the Lord And every time he said he would look at those clothes, he would think about the thief he was and the deception he had had went through to try to gather this material that he thought was going to bring him success. And he said, every time I looked hanging in the closet and I saw that coat, he said, it just made me think about how greedy and selfish I was. He said, and it actually drove me to the point to where I couldn't take it anymore. And years later... I had to go back to the owner of that store and pay him for what I had stolen. He said, you know, the guy almost lost his teeth when I walked in and said, you know, years ago I stole something off of you, and every time I look at it I think of what I did, but I want to make things right. And he wrote him a check for what he owed him, and he said it was almost like God's blessing came to him. But the point is, what we think is going to bring us happiness, and what we do to twist and lie and deceive and uh, manipulate for our advantage ultimately comes back to haunt us. Verse 22, so Joshua sent messengers and they ran to the tent and behold, you know, they dug it up and it was hidden in the tent and sure enough, there was the silver underneath. So they took them out of the tent and brought them to Joshua and to all the people of Israel and they laid them down before the Lord. 
Now, can't you see this picture? I mean, here's all this material and merchandise being laid right out in front of everybody. Evidence wide open where everybody sees it. And now we learn lesson number five, and that's this, that God's judgment is not something to be taken lightly. I mean, this man had sinned. He had lied. He had coveted. He had caused people to lose their life over his sin because all these military soldiers that went up to fight got killed in battle because God wasn't with them. You know, God's judgment is not something to take lightly. So notice how God handles this. I mean, he did fess up, right? He was confronted, he fessed up, but now he had to face the music. And Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, and the silver and the cloak and the bar of gold and his sons and daughters and his oxen and his donkeys and his sheep and his tent and all that he had And they brought them up to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why did you bring trouble on us? The Lord brings trouble on you today. And all Israel stoned him with stones. They burned them with fire and stoned them with stones. Now, we might say, wow, that is severe. Look in verse 26. They raised over him a great heap of stones that remains to this day. Now, those of you who are familiar with the story, there was another pile of stones in the middle of the Jordan River, which signified God's God's presence and the passing of the river. And then the Lord turned from his burning anger. Therefore, to this day, the name of that place is called the Valley of Achor. Now, that's going to be a significant point because this Valley of Achor, this Valley of Judgment, where Achan is placed because of his sin and his disobedience is going to be another place uh, that God is going to work on in the future. But let me just share something in principle number five. God's judgment is not something to take lightly. You know, there are a lot of times in our life where we think that somehow or another we're going to do things and never have to face the consequences. But, you know, one of our responsibilities, one of our jobs... One of the things that we have to really understand, especially in Christian ministry, is to know that eventually God is going to expose truth and he's going to expose us. And we have to prepare our life for that. His judgment is not something that we take lightly. You know, let me say this. Every person, you know, no matter who we are, I'm talking to myself as well here, no matter who we are, We must take God's judgment seriously. And that's why, for those of us who know Christ as our Savior, we are so thankful that God put the the judgment of our sins on the person of Jesus Christ. Not that he deserved that, but he willingly decided to take our punishment. But, you know, even in the Christian life, we as believers sin. You know, I know believers who have done terrible things and tried to hide them. But God's judgment is not something to take lightly. He is serious about this issue of sin and obedience to what he says is right. Now, don't get on our legalistic horse here and try to say, oh, this person's doing that, that's sin. And that. There are a lot of things that are not sin that we in legalism try to pin sin on. But let me assure you of something. Lying, cheating, immorality, greediness, embezzlement. Uh, I can go all the way down the list sexual immorality, just take the Ten Commandments and go right down the Ten Commandments. Defrauding neighbor, uh, breaking all these covenants and promises and so forth, 
All of those things God judges severely. So just remember that principle that it's not something to take lightly. But let me say this, because if you remember in the last verse of that passage, therefore to this day the name of that place where Achan was stoned is called the Valley of Achor. Now can you imagine naming a place, a heap of stones, place of judgment? Every time Israel walked by there, they said, there's Achan. And you know what? There's his sons and his daughters and his Ford pickup truck and his tractor, and everything he had. They stoned it, and they burned it all right there. Why, why would God do that? Uh, not just because it was a Ford, but why would God do that? Why would he judge his sons? And the, the issue is, they were all involved in hiding this sin. And that's another warning for us, isn't it? You know, don't, don't risk your life in hiding the sin of someone else. If someone has broken the law someone has done something they shouldn't, you're not to stand there and be part of their guilt because you become part of the guilt by association. So, very fine line here that we walk. But notice that although this was a place of judgment, God doesn't leave it that way. Uh, Later on in the book of Hosea, and I'm just picking out a small portion. This is how you pay attention in Scripture because... The place of Achan's judgment is later going to be called a place of hope. And that leads us to our sixth principle, and that's this. God can turn tragedy into triumph. He can turn tragedy into triumph. Hosea 2.15, There I will give her her vineyards and make the valley of Achor a door of hope. God here is talking about the nation of Israel. And when Israel turns to him, when they obey him, he's going to take this valley of judgment and turn it into a valley of hope. So, folks, when we think about these lessons in life, one of the things that we can be assured of is this, that even though we have temporary success in life, we must be cautious. Defeat can be turned into victory if we handle it God's way. The disobedience of one impacts others. Sin cannot be hidden forever. God's judgment is not something to take lightly. However, God can take tragedy and he can turn it into triumph. And if you're with us today and you're, you're listening to this message, let me say something to you. There's hope. It really doesn't matter in our life what we've done. There's no sin that's too great for God to forgive. I think about David, King David, in the height of his success. He goes up to a palace when he should have been out in war. He sees a man's wife. He covets her. He commits immorality with her and sin. Then to cover up his sin, what does he do? He has her husband killed. And he thinks that everything's going to be great. But God hunts him down. And by the prophet Nathan, God confronts him with his sin and told him, David, you are the man. And if you read Psalm 32 and Psalm 51, you know what David says? He says, my bones ached until I confessed. And when I did, God, you washed me as white as snow. You know, you can look out your window probably right now where you are and you see how that blanket of snow just covers all of the dirty roads and the dirty places and it's just white and bright. 
It's, it's an illustration of what God's forgiveness through the person of Christ does in our heart and our life. He takes our sin, as Isaiah says, and he washes it as white as snow. If you've never believed on Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you can do that right now where you are. Just bow in your heart to God and admit to Him that you are a sinner. You've violated His law. You've broken His commandments. And because of that, your sin has separated you from Him. And God will judge our sin. It's not something to take lightly. Either we have to pay for it through eternity or we let the God-man pay for it once and for all on the cross. We put our hope and our faith and our trust in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection for us. We receive his forgiveness into our life, and God cleanses our heart from sin. And he says, whoever believes on me has passed from eternal death to eternal life, and there is no condemnation that he has to face. Paul the Apostle writes, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So I urge you, I plead with you this morning to accept Christ and believe on Him as your personal Savior. I hope today's lesson has been encouraging. If we can ever help you or assist you in questions you have about your spiritual life with God, please reach out to us. Reach out to us online. Call us. We're here for you. We want to help you. And we pray that God gives you a great day. God bless you and see you again next week.